everybody welcome to another week of the soccer thread podcast i'm dan schrader i'm in portland oregon uh busy week you know as the, as they all are but uh we scrounged we scrounged a pod together we're gonna put something together for you we're gonna get something out that's that's what we do that's what we're here for it's how much we care we're here uh, for you it's two-man pod me and colin palmer is a uh, a man that is uh earning his ph re-earning his phd in husbanding Mike, I have no idea. Also an, an outstanding husband, but I'm not sure that's why he's missing tonight. <laughs> uh, and then there's, there's Dan and Colin, and here we are. Yeah, not as good. <laughs> not as good. Still, still master's level students. That's right. That's right. Um, how's the weekend? It's been, it's been a really a hell of a weekend. It's been a hell of a weekend. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was going to be a dad podcast right now. Uh, Do it. But it was uh, potty trading weekend in the Smith household mm-hmm. for the older boy. Can, can we talk about strategies here? Uh, n- I mean, no, we can't because it's all my <laughs> wife telling me what to do. I don't know what's going uh-huh. on. Um, it's the, uh, the English phrase would be at sixes and sevens. I was at sixes yeah. and sevens absolutely all weekend. Um, but stuck in the house. This is the type of potty training where you are, right. you are in the house the whole weekend. Yeah, you're um, not going anywhere. Kids running around. Yep. Yeah. No pants. Um, yep. So, oh, yeah. So that's the big... Okay. So it's yeah. the no pants strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pump yeah. them full of water. Yeah. This Get is, the yeah. practice in. Yeah. yeah. All right. Get reps. Get reps. Yep. So, exactly. Uh, so that was the strategy. Yeah. You know, there's successes. There's failures. It's like anything else in life. It's yeah. A, yeah. Got to have a growth mindset. Um, but <laughs> before that lockdown started, that lockdown started Saturday morning. So Friday night, we made it a point to you know, go have dinner outside in, in a friend's backyard. And, uh, and, you know, we had pizza. We got pizza there and, and everything. And then we're going on a walk with our kids. These are friends, you know, who have kids that are the same age as, as my kids. And uh, we're going on a walk to see some Halloween decorations. And uh, my buddy is like, oh, yeah, let's, uh, let's go down here. There's this shortcut. You can go down these stairs. And I go, oh, shit. Public stairs. In, public stairs. In Swampscott. I didn't know there were public stairs. And he goes, oh, public stairs. I, I feel like I heard about public stairs on a podcast, like, really recently. And I was, like, thinking, oh, you, there's an old episode, I think, of 99% Invisible. Okay, uh, yeah. And in, in my head, I'm like, oh, he's, he's, he's 99% Invisible. But I hadn't listened to this week's podcast yet. Or last week's of my own podcast. And he yeah. goes, wait, yeah, yeah. that was your podcast, and you weren't on it. I had no idea he was listening. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, but then I was like able to be yeah. like, like we've done so many podcasts and obviously I've known you guys so long that I was like, oh, you, you mean Mike brought up public stairs and Mike yeah, waxed poetic course. about L.A. Yeah. public stairs. And he was like, yeah. And then other people said it, other people said it was flat in L.A. Yeah, I, I bet they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. I Sounds got about the, right. I, wasn't yeah. on I, it, I know this like, entire I know conversation. What happened. I know yeah. what happened. Yeah, that's right. Hey, that is amazing. Uh, listener, friend with uh, Public Stairs and Swamp Scott, welcome. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, we got some other feedback on, I think it was last week's pod. Uh, Super producer Cliff uh, convinced somehow somebody to listen. And they said, you know, it was really fun and uh, it's great for cleaning up in the kitchen. And I thought, oh, yep, yeah, that's, hey, that's what we the aspire niche. to be. There yeah. we are. 
just just some bullshit that you don't really have to listen to, but it's on. Yeah, I you mean, want to zone out. My mom used to listen to so much car talk, and I'll tell you what, she has never fixed a car. And nope. if, if, but that's exactly what she was doing, using car talk for vacuuming and whatever around the house. So, uh, yeah, if we could There's, be your, yeah. your car talk, God, that is the highest praise we could ever imagine. Be amazing. Be amazing. Um, yeah. So that was, that was wonderful. I, I got to talk a little bit about the public stairs because I said to that, to Mike that I would, they go as one would expect from a street called, I believe Rockland street down to Ingalls Terrace and then Ingalls Terrace comes on to Humphrey Street. Humphrey Street is, is as you will, the, the street along the beach. Just exactly what you're picturing. This the, big, the kind of main road along the beach where you can turn off and, and go to the little beach there, Fisherman's Beach. Yep. And then Ingalls and Terrace. And then Ingalls Terrace is a little dead-end street that goes up the hill. You know, it's like very, very steep hill. Like you're, you're walking and you're still huffing and puffing. You, you don't want to push the stroller up this kind of hill, hill. And... Ingalls Terrace then dead ends, and then you can keep going up these public stairs, little shortcut public stairs, to get to the road that's on top of the hill. Um, instead of having to take Greenwood, which would be uh, the the street, the main the main way that cars would get up that hill. So it's a nice little shortcut and uh, beautiful views. Uh, top of that hill, you can see uh, downtown Boston and uh, the island of Nahant, and you can see the harbor and all the boats. It's beautiful. Uh, I would like to live closer to that view, but you know, I'm, I'm over on the other side of the, of the swamp, uh, by the train station. So what are you going to do? I, uh, so I happen to know that one of the things you've completed fairly recently was running every single foot of every single street in the swamp. That's true. So yep. I'm, a, I'm a little confused how you hadn't come across these. Like I understand the, and every single street endeavor doesn't include public stairs. So it Correct. wasn't Correct. requisite that you would have traversed these stairs. But you've run past them at least twice, at least once at the top and once at the bottom. That's true. That is, that is, you're exactly right. I don't know how I didn't see them at the bottom. It, to be honest, I probably ro- ran that street at the bottom at night. I, I, do, I yeah. do a fair bit yeah. of running at night. Um, and then at the top where we took the stairs this time, uh, it's very much like a little pathway between two houses at the, at the beginning of it. And there are no other paths like it in town. Uh, so you don't so really know to look for really it. You really got to know to look for it, yeah. So, oh. Yeah, and they pop out Ingalls Terrace. That's really a dead end. It would be very easy to not, you know, you're just thinking about getting to the end and turning around. Yep, exactly, yeah. I've identified the uh, public stairs on Google Maps as we've been doing this, so now i really good. Really good public stairs, though. Elite public That's stairs. That's great. I like it. I like it. Um, what else? Uh, I, you know... Two man pod. We got to take up some time. Went out to dinner with Palmer uh, last oh, that's night. Lovely. Uh, we had a little group of six of us. Just an absolutely wonderful time. Outdoor covered heaters, so like felt very safe. Uh, we tested ahead of time, and not that I'm saying that that is necessary in order to feel comfortable, but like kind of going above and beyond and just being like, you know what, let's just test, and then like we don't have to worry about like if I breathed at you a little bit or whatever while we're sitting at a table, it was just so nice. Just get out there, feel normal. Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful time. Went back to um, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's back porch and hung out then afterwards. Just like an unbelievably excellent evening. Uh, one of the best in a long, long time. Just makes you, uh, you know, 
humanity. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like one of the things that uh, has taught that COVID has taught me is that like normalcy is, is actually really great. Like the normal, how we had it before mm-hmm. w- was so wonderful. It was like so just, great. And you yeah. got to appreciate that. And so, yeah, bringing back anything that feels like it was in 2018 or whatever. Oh, yep, exactly. Those were heady times. Exactly. Exactly. So that was my weekend. Uh, and it was excellent. So, uh, significantly less bodily functions on floors and things than your yeah. weekend said. Yeah. Um, but you know, equally lovely. I'm just excited that I got to go outside of the house to get to this shed to record today. I was just like, I that's got big. out of the house. Yep. That's right. That's right. Uh, we've got an email this week. Did you have any other, I mean, I feel warm. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Anything else? All right. You want to handle this email? We got it from Burge. Uh, much appreciated Burge. Love these thoughts. Uh, Colin, will you set them up? Sure, yeah. He says, uh, hey, fellas, uh, I know. I hope you're doing well. I know I'm a week or two late with these U.S. Men, men's national team questions, but, you know, he's asking them anyway. He says. This is perfect for Colin because he hasn't been on for a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, he, cool. I, I was like, we got to talk he's about. He's ready to talk about, like, that first window still. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, Greg, out, right? Wait, no, you, you mean. <laughs> Wait, what? We can't. We won that game? That second half in Honduras, right? Um. All right, so he says, uh, I believe that CONCACAF's consistent selection of the United States to host the Gold Cup Nations League is creating a competitive disadvantage for the U.S. men's national team when it comes to World Cup qualifying. Constantly playing regional tournaments in the U.S. means that young U.S. men's national team's players have zero experience playing away matches in difficult surroundings. Dan, is this true? Is there something to that? Is that like, does that matter? Should we... Be pissed that the Nations League is always, or whatever, Gold Cup, all that kind of shit. Whenever CONCACAF can play in America, they do, because that's where the money is. Uh, yeah. Does that, that fuck us over? I mean, the money is what drives the goodness anyway, because then it's a better experience for the players, and then we get uh, Serginio Dest to play for us. So, actually, that's a bad example, because he's terrible away in CONCACAF. But we get, <laughs> I don't know, some other dual national, Pepe. We get Pepe to play for us because he comes to the camp. Uh, they get a chartered flight. He really likes that. He commits to the U.S. Pepe has won us points in qualifying that oh we would have God, lost yeah. otherwise. For sure. For fucking has sure. he won us more points than the experience of playing some friendlies would have? Uh, probably. So, like, in a way, you can, uh, you can fuzzy budget around this and say that it's worth it to make that money by playing in the United States so that the program itself advances so that you can be better in the away qualifiers. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, first of all, I buy that. I buy your argument. I also just kind of don't buy the general sentiment here that, like, uh, um, because we always play in the U.S., that's why we're bad away at Honduras. No, everyone's bad away at Honduras, quite frankly. Costa Rica's yeah. bad away at Honduras. Mexico's bad away at Honduras. That's a tough place to play. I don't care who you are. That's a tough place to play. Um, are we especially bad? I mean, we beat the shit out of them this window. Uh, a lot of teams are, actually. But um, but I, I just think that these guys also, first of all, our current crop is incredibly young. So that's one yep. thing, right? Like, yep. you, you got to go play. You got to go do it once and then do it again and do it again, you know, rep it out, whatever. And these games, if they were in Honduras – once they'd be in Costa Rica the next time. It's, it's just not the same. But also, what's most important is the talent level and, like, that these guys are playing 
and the biggest clubs in the world and, and things like that. And quite frankly, like, yeah, Honduras is always going to be a different uh, experience than that. And it's each one is it's to me as someone who's never been to any of these places and played, each one is its own unicorn, right? Like the challenges in Honduras are maybe not the same challenges in Panama are maybe not the same challenges in Jamaica. And, but it's really like marginal gains to go be like, Oh, I wish the nation's league had been in Jamaica because that way we would have gotten that three games in Jamaica. And then we would play better and have played better in Panama. Like I, I just don't buy it. I also don't think that it's the actual experience that is probably difficult for these players because they have experience playing like Champions League midweeks at the San Siro. That's way more intimidating than going to Honduras, right? They play in front of Dortmund's yellow wall every week, Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic has, right? So like, I don't don't think it's actually an intimidation. They get attacked by their own fans if they play on Schalke. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... I think the things about CONCACAF that are hard are probably not the intimidation, actually. It's that the pitches are bad. It's that the referees are bad. It's that, uh, you know, you don't get to go to sleep because the fans are banging their drums outside the stadiums. But those aren't things that would be better if you were less intimidated. Yeah, Uh, I mean... I I think probably the same thing you're saying. Yeah, and, and like, whatever. Tyler Boyd is probably getting that playing in Turkey. Like, he's getting some fucked up pitches. Like, the bottom teams in that Turkey domestic league have are really bad like that's a that's a uh, i'm using that because that's a league that's very stratified the good teams can mm-hmm. compete in europe and the worst teams are like bad would get farm teams NLS. yeah like they're really bad um so yeah so like tyler boyd when he goes to wherever like podunk places he's getting it on a, a cow pasture as well so like that doesn't make him a like, perfect for honduras and we're like calling him in to play in honduras um it's but I don't know. So that, I just think it's not that big a deal. Basically, it's it's more of a mental thing. It's more of a you got to go there and do it. And and in in a World Cup qualifier, you got to believe in yourself. And doing it takes having done it and having won to have that belief. You know. So that's just a function of age and experience. I also think that uh, one of the things that I try to keep in mind as a fan is that I just like the ease of being a fan. Like we talked about this a little bit last summer, I think when we had teams that like, we didn't make the Olympics, we didn't make the, uh, whatever else it was, U 23 world cup or something like that. And it was like, I just, I would prefer to have a team that I could root for at those tournaments because that's fun. Right. But so in kind of the same way here, like it's kind of nice that they play all these tournaments in the United States because they're here. They're like in time zones that are reasonable for me. They're like, Nobody ever plays in Portland, so I don't get to go to games exactly. But like, they, it makes it easier to be a fan than it is to like. I mean, you've been to Copa America Centenario. I don't know what you're talking about. True. You don't get to go to games. You've been to games. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, and well, that's right. And I've been to Gold Cup Finals. Palmer and I went uh, at Soldier Field one year. Like we've gone to these games. That's that's true. But I'm I'm not going every year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, like. In the end, as a fan experience, like, yeah, I'd rather have them playing here anyway because it's easier for me to be a fan of the those games if they're conveniently located, well-produced, on my television, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. And that's what the money does, and that's what playing here does. So uh, I'm okay with this. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Either way, it's, it's net... Uh, it's very, the, the net on this is either very small net negative or very small net positive, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, Landon Donovan. He withdrew his name from consideration for the Real Salt Lake job, which tells you that he was in consideration for the Real Salt Lake job. He seems to be doing an okay job down there in San Diego. I think there's some, mm-hmm. at least some buzz around that, that team, whether they're, I think they're kind of like, uh, I think they took an early exit from the playoffs, but they're a playoff team, you know, whatever. They're, they're respectable. Um, but, you know, a lot of this has to be due to his name, who he is, and well-deserved on that. But uh, Burge's theory is that the reason he withdrew from the RSL job or consideration of the RSL job is that he wants to wait until after the November window because he's a viable replacement for Greg Burhalter if shit goes bad during the next batch of games. Which, let's be real, we play Mexico. Like, There's a good chance the next batch is chance. tough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I... Th- my opinion, my my view of Landon Donovan's personality is not that he's turning down Salt Lake because he actually thinks he's good enough for the U.S. men's national team job. It's more like he turned them down because he probably knows he's not good enough or doesn't have the experience yet. He seems like very self-reflective, um, maybe humble to the point of like, hurting his ability to like perform at his best in whatever he's doing. Uh, he's had some weird quotes recently that don't come off at all as humble. They're like very uh, kind of aggressively in other people's business, which it seems a little weird coming from Donovan. But I, I actually don't think that this can be right at all. Uh, the Rail Salt Lake job feels like a step too far, actually, considering where he is. And so to think that he could turn that down to get to the U.S. men's national team is just too many steps i don't i don't see anything in this conspiracy theory what do you think yeah i don't i don't buy this conspiracy theory i I have a different view on landon donovan than you do which is kind of funny that you spelled that out so yeah eloquently because i was like just the whole time i'm thinking no that's not who he is um i think he's like uh for better or worse like pretty coldly calculated like he's a he's a very intelligent guy he knows his place he knows how good he is he knows he's on the upward trajectory right now and he doesn't want to pull a Frank Lampard, Lampard or a Tim Sherwood or whatever and, like, fly too close to Overshoot. the sun. Overshoot, yeah. Burn himself and then be like, oh, fuck. Like, now nobody wants to hire me because I blew it at RSL. Like, he, if, he, if he thinks the resources aren't going to be there, it's not going to be a fit, there's no reason for him to push it. Like, he's Landon Donovan. He can get a job when he needs to get a job. He's the best player in the history of the, of the national team. Like but he, somehow, actually, we're saying the same thing then. He doesn't think that he's ready for that. And he needs to build to it. Yeah, I think so. But I don't think it's because he's like overly humble. Like, oh, shucks. Uh, it's just, I'm just not ready. He's My like, resume is not there like, yet. Maybe or whatever. I could he's do like, it. Maybe I couldn't do it. I'm not sure. Um, but like, it's not, it's not going to suit me. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah, do yeah. That. Interesting. So, yeah. So like, I think that's why he was also very choosy with like when he would come back to Europe, basically when he was like a MLS superstar, he was like, I'm not coming back. I'm not going over to Europe in a situation that isn't perfect for me. And I'm going to have a tough eight to 10 games. That's does it. That hurts my brand. That's not fun. I don't want to do it. It has to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I only did it a couple of times. And like he did it in like whatever, Oh nine and 11. Cause 10, he wasn't feeling it. Like it has to be just right. And I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying any of this to, to knock him. It's more like he's a man with a fucking plan. And RSL didn't fit his plan, and he'll, he'll wait. I don't think the yeah. U.S. fits yeah. his plan either. Um, I think that's a job you take 
I mean, Greg Berhalter took it because I think Greg Berhalter in some way like found his level. Like MLS, he's an MLS manager. Yeah. He, he can get a job in MLS any day, right? He's proven himself at that level. But he wasn't getting, um, he didn't have the Jesse Marsh trajectory. So he was like, yeah. well, I can go to the U.S. Men's National Team and I can come back to MLS anytime. Yeah. I can For Berhalter, it's kind of the, it's, it's the job offer he couldn't refuse, right? Right. And, yeah. and, and then he's also, he's already proven himself at that MLS level, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, like, for instance, a Caleb Porter would jump at the U.S. Men's National Team job because he can always come back to MLS. Right. Right. Um, so, right. So I, I think that's why Donovan wouldn't do it right now. Because I'm sure that Donovan also, because I think he's a, a person who's um, intensely competitive and very mm-hmm. sure of himself, sees mm-hmm. himself as having the potential to manage much higher than MLS. Right. So whether he fulfills that because, you know, that fits his lifestyle or, you know, however it works out for him, I don't know. And I'm not saying that's as any kind of like judgment on how he actually is as a manager, but I'm sure he believes he can do it. So I think we'll over the next whatever, 15 years, we'll see him slowly make his way into bigger jobs. He's not done. I mean, in terms of he in terms of lifestyle. He's living in San he's Diego. Got a, he's got a good or like right now. Down in like between San Diego and LA or somewhere on the beach, whatever. He's got a young family. Uh, he's coaching in San Diego. He doesn't want to go to Salt Lake. He could mostly work from home and be the US men's national team manager, right? Like that could still fit his his lifestyle, the way that his he's got his home set up right now. But um, given the way that he's prioritized himself, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of people, uh, it's hard to see him going to Salt Lake yeah, totally uh, right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Landon, can I feel like I've, I'm sure, told my Landon Donovan story on this podcast before, oh, but it's probably been times. a very long time. Uh, Landon Donovan famously went uh, on a kind of sabbatical to Cambodia for a while, um, just before the 2014 World Cup, and then didn't get called back in. Yeah. Um, that has to be right based yep, on yep, what yep. was happening in my life at the time. Um, and during that sabbatical, he came and visited his stepbrother, half brother, came and visited his half brother in Madison, Wisconsin, where I was living, uh, and wanted to play some pickup soccer. So uh, some people that were part of the men's league in Madison uh, got text messages that said, Hey, do you want to come play with Landon Donovan at this indoor place? Don't tell anybody. He just wants to play, he doesn't want media, whatever. So we showed up, we played with Landon, played some pickup indoors. Uh, I scored a goal. Ball comes cut back to me. I put it back where it came from. Very like calm, cool, amazing side footed. <laughs> just, you know, just so easy. Leaves the keeper, no choice, you know, no chance. Uh, jogging back, letting the other team kick it off. Landon was on my team at that point. I get a little low, a little low five and a, a nice goal, Dan, by name. I mean, what a Unbelievable. guy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's an absolute charm. Uh, I love the man. I will always stand up for him. Yeah. He is. I never want to meet him again because it'll be ruined, right? Like, I'm going to let the, let good enough be there. Absolutely. Um, but that's Absolutely. my Landon Donovan. That informs all opinions I have about him is that he's a perfect human being. Uh, <laughs> and he, he was not overly competitive playing pickup. He kind of sat back and played uh, sweeper. And then when he got bored, he'd just dribble everybody and score. Uh, and then go back and play sweeper and just break everything up and uh, distribute. And it was gr- like, it was just the way you want somebody that's really, really, really good to play is like, why don't, you know what? 
why don't you just go have fun, but not like dominate the game in a way that makes it suck for everybody else? It was just, it was great. He was great. Yeah, dominate uh, with passing instead of with with dribbling or shooting from thirty yards. Yeah, or, or like being super aggressive and getting mad at people that hack you. Like, just don't do a thing that's going to get you hacked. Then, like, stay away from people, and that's what he did. It was great. Did he dribble everyone and score because uh, no one would hack him, or did he? I so I have a friend. Uh, this is getting is I feel like I'm now like oh I have a friend who did this better thing than that. <laughs> uh, well, but I have a friend who um, worked in the White House, and so he played basketball with uh, yeah. Barack Obama, yeah. and he said you know playing basketball with Barack Obama, uh, no one fouls the president. Like right, like the president wants you to to go harder on him, and no one dares except like one or two guys in his inner, 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 inner circle, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's just not worth it for me to be the guy who's in the news reports for, like, uh, broken finger, ba- rolled ankle. Yeah, exactly. Like, a little uh, mark on his face or something like that. Like, no, no. You just, yeah. you just straight up, hands up, just straight up. I'm going straight up. Yeah. And so, like, I, when you say Landon O'Donovan, like, dribbled everyone, I'd say immediately what I think of is, like, he's going to be faster than you, obviously. He's a pro athlete. Yeah. And right. then, like, he's starting to move past you, and, like, you could stick your leg in there, but it's Landon Donovan, and you're not going to be the asshole that steps on Landon Donovan's foot. Yeah, because like, he hadn't retired at that point. Right, like, exactly. everyone knew he like, was going back. Exactly, so like, exactly. Like, you're like, yeah, I'd just be yeah. like, no. Like, no. Mm-mm. No Mm-mm. chance. If he kicks I was on the ball, his team. like, he's going to kick the ball, like, five yards away from him for me to make a challenge on that. If it's yeah, at all yeah, by yeah. his feet, like, his feet are gold. Like, no way. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was excellent. Maybe I can dig out pictures and post that on Twitter. Uh, that'd be fun. Uh, so Landon Donovan not going to the U.S. Men's National Team is the... Uh, not going to happen. The moral it, of the story there. Two cycles. Um, let's stay in the United States. A little U.S. Men's National Team, Landon Donovan. So a little USL chat there. Grassroots, baby. Grassroots. Um, you talk, are MLS. we talking about Ford Madison? Are we... Uh, ooh, Ford Madison, uh, not an amazing season for them. Yeah, dumped Fun. out of the playoff race right. today. Oof. Oh, I didn't make the playoffs. Should pay attention for uh, how much of their gear I wear. I should know where they are in the standings. Um, MLS, we're coming up on the end of the season, end of the regular season. Most teams played 30 or 31 games. They've got a 34-game schedule, so three or four games left. A lot to play for. Um, but let's start at the top. The New England Revolution, a historically good season, have already wrapped up the Supporter Shield. Uh, 32 matches played, 70 points earned. Uh, I don't, the, I guess all of these records have to be in like points per game, probably, if you're going to do like fair comparisons. I don't know how they stack up there, but you know, you're a big Revs guy. So uh, how's their season looking? I mean, historically good. I, so. I don't know if Revs fan one still listens to this podcast or not, but like, very surprised we haven't gotten any emails talking shit about my my Revs fan my Revs takes because they are so fucking good. And yeah, it, it is impressive to me that I mean I think their best players are very good MLS players, but they don't have a transcendent player. Right. Um, and, and yet they are like a transcendent team, right? So that that's in in itself is impressive. Um, but also if you pay attention to them every week, to me at least, it seems like they come back and win three to two every fucking week. Like the, uh, the amount of times that they just keep coming and score more goals than you kind of shit, uh, is really impressive. Number one, 
but also it's just like it's good soccer. Like it, if yeah. anything, it makes me disappointed. This is kind of like what our podcast is, though, right? Like, it's, <laughs> I, I'm disappointed though that like the soccer um, culture, because like uh, this podcast honestly is not about what's going on on the field. Um, yeah. The soccer culture in Boston is not the soccer culture in Portland. If the soccer culture in in Boston was like we have a, a downtown stadium and this is a big deal and blah blah yeah. blah and all the young people go to these games, like it would be fucking wild. Like yeah. best team in the league. And the games are super exciting. The players are super exciting. Um, you know, just like multiple guys who who would be, you know, very, like fan favorites. Carlos Hill, I think, is one of the most attractive to watch type players in MLS. Like. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of, you know, Valeri or Blanco for you guys, like easily becomes a fan favorite because of just like the class. The class class. that he stands out. Like Giovinco was the same way, right? Like, just like, ooh, that guy's class. So, yeah, I I just think that it's a really a shame. And then they have Matt Turner, right? Who like has this, for a long time, was nobody gave a shit about except Revs fans, but has been good for the last three years for them or whatever it is. Um, and now is starting to get his due. Like, it's a great story, and, and I'm sure Revs fans are over the moon about it. But like, there's still zero buzz in Boston about it. So, that's to me, that's the shame. That is too bad. Um, Bruce Arena has really turned this club around. Yeah, he. Yeah. I mean, he has basically total control, right? I mean, he is GM, head coach. Yeah, uh, he's been there three ish years or so. So it's like. It's really his project at this point. Yeah, I would um, also say that they started to spend, though, when he came in. Before that, they kind of weren't spending, and they have totally opened the pocketbooks, of which they are obviously very deep uh, uh, since he's been there. So, I, you know, I'm, I don't know how that works, like whether they promised him this or that or, right. you know, that, that he's driving that at all. I don't know, but um, that has happened at the same time. Uh, so they are very good. Uh, they've won the Supporter Shield with, you know, games left to play, not even close. Seattle Sounders on 58 points in the West are the next. Uh, and then a few other teams in the West, Sporting Kansas City, Colorado also pretty good on 55 points in the West. And then other than that, everyone's below 50 points. So, uh, you know, New England essentially has 20 points on everybody else in the league, uh, which is really I mean, pretty incredible. Do you actually see them as favorites in the playoffs? Um, so first of all, let me just say they're one win away from the points record and they have however many okay. games to go. So yeah. like that's, that's, Odds how, on. that's yeah. how historically good they are. Right. Um, two, I think they only have two games to go actually now. So maybe, maybe, uh, they, won't, yeah. maybe they won't lock it, but whatever. Um, do I see that? I think they're the massive favorites in the East. I don't, I mean, I don't think anyone in the East is anywhere near them in quality. That said, you know, it's playoff soccer. Like this is the same thing every year in MLS. I just saw today, like, I don't know what the, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to quote this exactly from, from memory, but it's like since 2013, one number one seed has made the MLS cup final. It was Toronto and they lost. Whereas, nine number two seeds have made the final or something. It's something like that. Right. And so that just tells you like, you know, seeding or whatever, who's best in the regular season doesn't matter that much. It's who's hottest at the time. That being said, the revs are still hot. They're still playing well. Unless somebody gets injured, there's no reason to think 
the next two games will change that. Um, I, they've got to be the massive favorites in the East, at least. Uh, but they're probably not more than 50% favorites to make the final. Right. I'd they take the not. field. I'd take the field. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, in the West, the Sounders are on 58 points, best team in the West, uh, followed by Kansas City, Colorado, Portland in fourth still, although only on uh, head-to-head or something. They're actually losing on goal difference versus LA Galaxy, so I'm not sure what the first tiebreaker is. must be wins. We've got more wins. Um, in the West, fourth through ninth is separated by five points. Seventh is the playoff line. Uh, so a lot of teams in there, LAFC, Rail Salt Lake, Vancouver, Minnesota, LA, Portland, all right in that bucket. Um, this is, is pretty squeaky stuff. Portland was looking really good before the international break. They went eight or nine undefeated, just were racking up road wins, road results. Uh, and then come back from the international break and just have been bad. Uh, lost to Vancouver, lost to Colorado. Uh, pretty disappointing stuff. It's all, um, <laughs> there's a lot of kind of, even within the Portland fan base, kind of uh, schadenfreude about the uh, a pox upon the house of the oh, uh, yeah. Portland Timbers, Portland yeah, Thorns, yeah. you know. Um, Gavin Wilkinson still around, uh, not yet fired on administratively from the Thorns, but not the Timbers. And they share an office. So he's sitting in the office. He's just not doing any of the Timbers work or Thorns work on his desk. He's only doing the Timbers work on his desk. It's so, you know, I, I bet he gets his health care from the Timbers. So this is probably. No big deal. Uh, yeah. So it's hard as a Timbers fan to like it's. It's hard to root for this team right now because it, they're You're not making up. the moves that you'd like them to see from a just a moral PR or whatever perspective. Uh, nonetheless, they're sliding, and it's not great to see. Um, but it's all it's all tight. Same in the Eastern Conference. Second through ninth is seven points, and f- uh, ooh, fifth through ninth is only three points. So again, straddling that playoff line, it's very tight. Uh, DC United in ninth on 41, and then Montreal, Atlanta, New York Red Bulls, and uh, New York City just above that. Tight stuff. Uh, what do you think about these playoff races? Who do you like? Who's dangerous if they can squeak in? I mean, I think Atlanta is seventh seed right now in the East, which tells me two things. Is like, one, uh, you know, Atlanta was like historically good two years ago, three years ago. I mean, mm-hmm, however you mm-hmm. count COVID, whatever. But, like, two years ago, basically, they were, like, great. And now they've been, like, shit and then okay, which just is a, just a great reminder that MLS, like, nothing is forever, not even for a week, you know? Like, it can change so fast. Um, but I think they've got to be dangerous. They're going to have good home field advantage if, if you have to play there somehow. If they, you know, they could jump up this table really quick with a couple wins, right? They have four games to right. play. Right. Um, you don't want to have to go there. They have talent. Uh, and then I think Orlando City also has attacking talent. Chris Mueller has not been very good um, since he signed the pre-contract to go to Scotland, but he scored this past week. Um, so if they get him back going and, and DK going, uh, that can be a, a, and Nani going, like that can be a very scary attacking group. Um, and they, they kind of basically haven't been, is my point. Uh, so they're whatever yeah. their slot they should be better than their slot um other than that i think most of these teams are who they you know are who you think they are like philly we're not that 
Philly's not that great. Nashville has the the one guy whose name is, escapes me now who has legit like MVP aspirations. Um, but other than that, they're not not that special. Um, so I, I don't think that that's why I think that New England is such heavy favorites. I think all these teams are easily a tier below New England, and then the regular season bears that out, right? So. Um, but yeah, my, my other favorite East Coast story that I want to get to is is Phil Neville complaining about MLS refs and and accusing them of blatant never getting a call. Yeah, blatant anti Miami bias. He's like, there needs to be an investigation. It sounded really like some uh, Trumpist shit. Like there needs to be yeah. an investigation about why is there's this anti Miami bias and why they don't like us and 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just because they have shitty refs, man. Like, it's not about you, bro. Like, yeah. quit making this about you. It's just like, this is MLS. They're <laughs> shitty refs. Like, if, we, if, we, if you could, if you had to, like, uh, play in CONCACAF, like, oh, man, you just would not have ever made it. Like, no, those, yeah, are, yeah. those refs are another tier below this. And let me tell you, it's not that they don't like the, the U.S. It's just that they don't know what they're doing. Like, yeah. sometimes those calls are going to go against you, and you're just going to be baffled. Uh, yeah, I mean, Inter Miami, though, I don't think a big surprise that it's all. I mean, they've got the money, they've got these star names, they've got the Higuain brothers, they've got yeah, Neville yeah. in, they've got Beckham, obviously, like name recognition, however much he's actually involved. Uh, all of that just sets up to be the, the grander version of Owen Coyle coming over and failing, though, right? Like, just having no sense of what they're getting into yeah, and yeah. being totally perplexed. And it all sets up, and it's all kind of so obvious, uh, which makes it so fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, they're only... First of all, first of all, let me be clear about Intermarry. I love that they're in MLS. Like, they are drama, yeah, sure. and that's good. Like, drama right. is, is just good. But, yep. like, they've won their last two games 5-1 and 3-0, but before that, they lost to Columbus 4-0. Like... They are this big, you know, big swings kind of team because exactly what you're saying. Like, they have big names, a lot of talent, but they're mismanaging shit. They, like, had four DPs at the beginning of the season, got in trouble for that. Um, the new thing that I just yeah. saw today is that David Beckham is apparently going to be, like, this big uh, spokesperson. I, we'll see if this actually happens because now he's getting blowback for it online. But uh, big spokesperson for the World Cup 2022. And he's going to make, like, hundreds of millions of dollars off that. Like, he's going to be, like, the face of The it. Qatari, like, yeah. Like, they're going to yeah. put his face on everything. David Beckham on yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, on the Coke bottle or whatever. And uh, and they're like, well, you may make $150 million, but, like, you're just you're going to lose that much in endorsements from other shit Not, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Careful. Careful, Davey. Yeah. So we'll see if, if that actually goes through. But, like. Just bringing that over to MLS just feels good to me. Like, I just want that world elite-level uh, drama, elite-level whatever that is. Yeah. I don't know. I Co mean, world-class. World-class world drama. World-class corruption. Yep. World-class yep. <laughs> rule-breaking, whatever Cheating, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, inner, but not a surprise. Oh, also the fact they still call themselves Inner Miami, even though they've been like sued in international yeah, exactly. courts like, over it. It's perfect. Like, so silly. All of it. Uh, I'm really curious about this, though. It's not on the run order. So, this is, this is fresh for you. Biggest surprise this year in MLS Nashville in their second season in third place in the East. That seems 
impressive and surprising to me. Toronto, who, you know, should still be a super club in 13th in the East, or LAFC, who very much more recently have been historically good, really scrapping for their lives at this point in ninth in the West. Of those three, Nashville, uh, Toronto, or LAFC, what's the biggest surprise? Nashville's not a surprise at all. For first of all, like they had a good D last year, they they were they had good pieces. Zimmerman, they they just okay. needed to put a little th- thing together, you know. Like maybe I wouldn't have picked them to be in third, but like it's. I guess they were seventh in the East last year. They weren't terrible. Exactly, okay. it's a slight okay. overperformance. All right, not a huge surprise. Yeah. Fine. Toronto, uh, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, like the guys who got them there and made that Giovinco, whatever. I mean, Giovinco's like now been right. gone for four right. years or something, but. Uh, the guys who made them, you know, a team that you think of as a successful franchise are like way past it, not contributing. So they haven't replaced those guys, except for Pozuelo. They haven't really successfully replaced those guys. So, well, when I look at the, at the standings, I go, Toronto in 13th. That's weird. If I think about it for a second, it, it makes sense why they're down there. Like they need to rebuild. Fine. Uh, LAFC still doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it's because I don't follow the Western Conference as much. But, like, Diego Rossi, like, the talent there, they ha- they when they have, like, depth of talent, I feel like, you know? Like, uh, it's not it, it's not like they were just Carlos Vela and the Vailettes. Right, right. Uh, Bob Bradley, like, they have great management. They seem to have a really good franchise, a good place to play, good fans, every, like... Everything about that franchise seemed to scream success, and like they're they're just average. Like I I don't I honestly don't follow it well enough to understand the nuance there to be like why are they not winning these games? I mean I think a lot of people would point it was uh, Walker Zimmerman right that was there in their uh, in their coming into the MLS season. Yeah. They lost him. They went to Nashville, like you're saying. Yeah, been a really good player there. Um, and I think a lot of that stability people would point to at LAFC as the issue. Um, but I think I agree. That's the big surprise for me. I mean, that's a team that doesn't, shouldn't be aging out like Toronto is. I think the surprising thing about Toronto to me is that they haven't done much to do anything about it. Maybe they're just stuck under these contracts and they've let, you know, they signed their, their souls away to the devil by putting these guys on big long-term contracts and they got success out of that early. So they got what they were looking for and now they're paying for it. Um, the other thing I would point out about Toronto is that, uh, Greg Vanny went away or they got rid of him. Maybe I'm, you know, fired him actually. He's gone to LA galaxy have, has them in fifth. They were 10th last year in the West now fifth. So kind of stabilizing, not, you know, top of the conference, but, um, maybe just pointing out how big a piece Vanny was in Toronto. Um, and you know, the fact that he's gone into LA, which is probably a fairly difficult job in terms of management, um, like just the managing, right. The expectations, the brand, the club, the, the players, um, not necessarily the tactics or whatever, but just how much other stuff it must take to work there. Uh, it seems like he's done a great job. So I have a lot of respect for him. Um, but you know, definitely some interesting stuff. And then there's, there's always the normal caveat with MLS that, uh, it's a parody league, so it doesn't take that much to slip from second place and everyone thinks you're really good to ninth place and everyone's like, oh, you're out of the playoffs. That's only, uh, you know, a few games here and there. Uh, it, it's not a huge gap. So, 
you know, it can happen. Yeah, I mean, but I just think like, like I, again, I'm not watching every LAFC LAFC game, but like uh, Carlos Vela last time, you know, I thought about him. Whatever was like, he was hurt in 2020, and in 2020 was 2020 mm-hmm. anyway. But like 2019, he scored 36 goals in 33 games. He, you could not stop him in MLS. He yeah. was yeah, yeah. unbelievable. He had 11 assists too. He was unbelievable. This year, he has five goals in 17 games. Like, that's a huge drop off. Like, why? I have no idea. Like, I, I, I'm not gonna tactics this up and be like, oh, here's yeah. why. But like. That's surprising. You don't expect a guy to fall off from 36 to 5. Yeah, and and Bob Bradley doesn't seem to have had any answers for it either, which, again, is maybe a little bit surprising if you're focusing on the management Um, because he just seems like he builds solid teams, um, at least where he's given the opportunity to do so, and he certainly has had that opportunity at LAFC. Um, So it's a little surprising that they've fallen off just from that point of view also. Uh, the Chicago Fire have a new logo. I don't think we've talked about it on the pod. Uh, this thing is kind of, you know, baby blue. It's got a C. It's a logo. You see it. And it's a Chicago sports team logo. It's like, you know, there's the Cubs. Uh, there's the the Bears. It's a C. It's got some blue. Uh, do you like it? I mean, I don't not like it. Like the last... Terrible. The terrible thing they did in the interim, right? The original Chicago Fire logo was good. It was like a firefighter thing. They're the fire. That's unique. And it also kind of looks like a soccer crest. Great. Like, that's all, that's all it takes. No need to redesign it. They did anyway. They fucked it up. This is fine. Like, whatever they didn't like about the old one that they needed to get rid of, if they had changed this one originally, you'd say, meh, I don't, yeah, I don't really like that. It's a little bit more vanilla. Whatever, but totally fine. I agree with you. Goes with the branding, the Chicago flag, the Chicago this and the big C and everything. Uh, you know, I'm not a Chicago guy. I grew up in Milwaukee. Yeah. By, by nature, I hate Chicago sports and right. Chicago sports teams and, and love Chicago Bears cube quarterbacks, obviously. <laughs> they are my I favorite. own you. I own you. All my fucking life, I still own you. Uh <laughs> But yeah, my that's my favorite position group in all of sports. Um, but <laughs> and I do have rankings. Um, but yeah, but uh, this is good. This is good branding. Like I don't know who they hired here, but like that firm should work again. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's it's. I think the funny thing is that they've had to rebrand twice in the last two years. Uh, it's all a bit of a shambles. But I think they've landed someplace that's neutral compared to the original. So like nothing, you know, nothing lost, but nothing gained. Uh, Just a lot of money wasted somewhere along the way. Yeah. I mean, Everton did the same thing, so I can't really talk too much yet. Um, All right. That's your MLS. Oh, what else you got? Quick, quick shout out to Gabriel Slonina. Slonina. I've never actually heard his, I've only read his name. So I apologize for that pronunciation. Um, he is 17 years old and has been starting at a keeper for the Chicago Fire. Yes, he is a homegrown six foot four inch 17 year old from Addison, Illinois. Uh, like, <laughs> from Addison, Illinois. Like he is, I mean, I don't know how long he'll play for the Fire, but he's like the definition of a homegrown keeper or whatever. But 
to me, it just feels like I, I'm gonna just just give him as much hype train as I can right now because he up he this week outplayed David Ochoa, who you know mm-hmm. previously of fight oh yeah, yeah of yeah. U.S. now Mexican yeah of yeah, U.S. Youth yeah. national team and now of Mexico. But this, when you're thinking about who is going to be the guy of the generation after uh, our current keepers, T- Turner and Stefan, like, okay, it can't be somebody who's 22 because that's too close. This guy's 17. Uh, he's a stud. That's the right generation. He's like the American Donnarumma right now, like coming into a first team in the highest level that he can get to at only 17. Like, you do not see keepers do that. Like, that is very, very rare. It's so. true. Although that also makes the Chicago Fire the uh, Juventus of AC Milan. Uh, AC Milan, sorry, yeah. Uh, w- different levels, but the analogy holds. That's right. I mean, right. I, I would I would also argue that the U.S. men's national team is a different level than, uh, than <laughs> fair Italy, the yeah. Italian, the Azure. Uh, yes. So Addison, Illinois, somewhere between Schaumburg and Naperville, for those wondering. <laughs> It's kind, of, it's kind of out there, but it's, it's around Chicago, out yeah. there on the, on the western. Land. It's definitely yep. Chicagoland. You could probably... That's right. There's probably some car dealerships. You could probably play a... If you're, like, honestly, as, as a person from Milwaukee, it's like it's somebody might... You might buy a car there or uh, go to a weekend soccer tournament. That's that's why I would know those places. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, There's got to be just sprawling soccer fields. That's exactly right. All right, there's your MLS. That's very good. Uh, some interesting stuff in the Premier League. Uh, again, you know, we won't get into the tactics too much, I don't think, but things worth talking about. Uh, some big results this weekend. The, the first one, the, I'm, it was actually the last one, I think. Liverpool 5-0 over Manchester United uh, at uh, Manchester United uh, at Old Trafford. Ole, a little, I mean, we joke about it all the time. I was a little surprised they didn't get canned at halftime. Like, I, I actually thought, you know, like, oh, this is the time to make that joke. In my head, I was like, but actually, it might be the time to actually do it. Like, this is not going well. Uh, down 4-0 in the first half. Pogba comes on at halftime, gets a red card within 15 minutes. Uh, just, just really bad, bad stuff. And Liverpool... Looking like they did a couple of years ago. Really, really good. Front three, uh, clicking, scoring goals. A lot of fun. Uh, this felt like a sign of the times kind of result. Yeah. I, I saw the, the tweet about this that was like, this is the worst team performance in Premier League history. Like, relative to how well they should play, you know, who they have. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah. This is the worst. Like the X, yeah. X team performance versus real yeah. team performance. Yeah. Which I was just like, wow. That might be true, though. Like, I mean, sure, like, whatever. Chelsea battered New- uh, Norwich this week, like, 7-0. It's like, right. yeah, but you could have, before like, that okay. game, been like, oh, I'll put a little money on Chelsea to score seven this week. Like, yeah, it seems good. <laughs> like, that that makes sense with these with who they're going to bring out. So, uh, yeah, this to be down 4-0 at halftime is, like, just oh. Oh, fantastic. And this is coming – I think it's fantastic. It's coming from someone who just absolutely, you know – has no love for Liverpool FC. Right, right. Right. And I'm still like, yeah, this is great stuff. This is fucking great stuff. Oh yeah. Pour it on. Um, but I don't know. I, I would you do you think uh by the time this podcast is released, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still has a job? Yeah, because they like 
There have been points where they would have gotten rid of him if they were going to be quick to get rid of him. And I think this is still feels a little quick because not that long ago, Ronaldo was back. They were scoring goals. They were winning games. They had this like exciting win in the midweek away yeah. in the yeah, Champions yeah, yeah. League, actually, uh, which there, there's a great video of Paul Scholes in a post game and everyone's happy. And he's like, look, this is not the result that everyone thinks. Jurgen Klopp is going to watch this, and he says, Skull says this, Jurgen Klopp is going to watch this, and they're going to go into halftime 4-0. He <laughs> says it? Yeah, yeah. He calls 4-0 at halftime. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, you know, it's like, not that that midweek win, what, what I'm saying is not that that midweek win, like, shows some intrinsic stability or resolve or something. It may actually be the opposite, right? It's just yeah. paper overing the cra- papering over the cracks. Um but I think Ole's got at least another, I'll say, two really bad results before he's gone. They don't have to be back-to-back, but it's just going to take a little bit of like sustained uh, body punches yeah. before he's gone. Understood, understood, yeah. This is, this is absolutely floored them, but they'll, they'll get, get Ole back up off the canvas. I mean, I just like think that the first week every year where a big... Cl- club like Manchester United, a big club that like nobody else likes except fans of that club, like Manchester United. Right. Yeah. Uh and mostly that's mostly the one in, in England, right? Like, I of course feel the same way about Liverpool, but you know that's that's just me. But um the first week that they go from hope to know to to know you're actually shit is just great for everybody else. It's the best week. It's just the best week. Like and this one is like just an all-timer, an all-timer of, of that. And so that's why, you know, we're all so happy here. I, I just I can't even put into words the, the joy that that brings, right? <laughs> um, so there you go. Liverpool, obviously, then very happy with that. Also, they're in second place, 21 points from non-games, one point behind Chelsea. Chelsea also with a big result this week. Uh, as you mentioned, 7-0 over Josh Sargent's Norwich. Uh, but who cares about that result? What matters is that Josh Sargent uh, played 45-plus minutes, right? Oh, yeah. My bet with uh, with Mike, my bet is that I will take the, I took the over. He said, uh, for, for the record, on the podcast, he said that Josh Sargent would average like 25 minutes a game. And I knew that I had to go way over that in order to get him to take the bet. So I said, Josh Sargent will average more than 45 minutes a game. And he immediately took the bet, thinking that was an easy easy money for him. Snapped your hand off. Yeah. Uh, but right now, Josh Sargent is averaging something like 48 minutes a game. Um, and he's getting 70 every week, basically. Like, they give him the first 70, and then they pull him, because he hasn't done shit from the first 70. Yeah. Uh, I, I did watch a little bit of, of Norwich, actually, this week. Uh, I turned it on early in the morning. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, Norwich never has the ball. Like, they are so bad. Uh, Josh Sargent does fight, and he actually, like, uh, wins the ball up top, you know, wins 50-50s up top better than anybody they have. They have nobody else who does anything like what he does. Um, so I think that's kind of the thing, is, like, even if he's not that good at it, there's nobody else who can He'll do it. Battle. They'd have to completely change what they're trying to do. So I think that's why they're stuck with him in some sense. But yeah, he's not playing well. I mean, he, he also had plenty of times where he looked, I don't want to say shell-shocked, but, like, they get the ball and he makes a run that does not make any sense 
or you know all that kind of stuff. They look so disjointed and 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 like they're on two points bottom of the league, and like that seems generous. Like they don't seem like they're gonna they look beat so anybody. bad. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Seven nil was totally like the result they deserved. I don't know what the, the whatever ex- expected goals was, but it's probably they half got shellacked to nine. Yeah, yeah. Did they so? Josh Sargent uh, came from, oh, I forget now, Werder Bremen. Uh, Bremen. Came over to the Premier League. Nobody thought Norwich was going to be any good, but he'd be in the Premier League. Maybe he'd score some goals, you know, whatever. Um, But people were worried about it because you move to a team that's going to get beat up on in the Premier League. It's not always a great move. Um, Are you concerned about what this does to Josh Sargent uh, in terms of his career, whether that's like emotionally, like can he can he <laughs> recover? Uh, can his career recover? Is this the worst that could like? In some sense, would it be better if he was on the bench and not getting exposed? Right? If he was like the guy that people were wishing would get a shot, like maybe he's the hope uh, instead of being the guy that's getting seventy minutes and uh, you know can't do anything. No, I'm not, I'm not buying that. I mean, I think there are plenty of guys who have gone in both those directions, like didn't get the shot or got the shot and it looked like shit and then went yeah. to the next place and were fine. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think he'll be at Norwich for a sustained run, right? Like, I think they'll get relegated yeah. and he'll probably leave after one year. Um, maybe he'll play. Maybe they'll keep him in the championship and that maybe that's not bad for him. I don't know. Um, but, like, he, I don't think he'll be there for a bunch of years or anything like that. Um, so I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't think it's good for him to be playing on a team without the ball. Like it just never has the ball and never connects three passes. Like that's, that's not good for anybody like on that team pretty much, except maybe their center backs and their keeper. Um, but like, so yeah, it's, it's not been a great move, but it's not, it's also not like he was setting the world alight at Werder Bremen. Um, No, not at all. So it's not like he was choosing between Norwich and other great options. Um, so yeah. And that, you know, it doesn't feel like, um, you, you know, we had the same kind of like, Oh shit. What if when Pulisic went to Chelsea and it was like, Oh, if he doesn't play, like if he just gets stuck on the belt bench at Chelsea, he should have just gone to, I mean, I'm going to say Everton or whatever, but Newcastle or blah, blah, blah to gone to, some. Yeah. To play, play every week, right? Be a big player. Yeah. Yeah. So, go to the level that you like is your level and you play every week and you're the star of the team. Um, that's not where Josh Sargent's at. He's not the best player on that team and that team sucks. So I, but I, I think it's fine for him. I think that's fine. I, I don't think it's going to materially hurt him as a player. Um, the other big result this weekend, Man City four to one over Brighton. Uh, they look like they're clicking again. They are now in um, third place, just two points behind Chelsea and one point behind Liverpool. So you've got your top three. Uh, I saw a very, very good tweet today after Liverpool, or uh, yeah, after Liverpool um, beat up on Manchester United that said, Manchester United need a new manager. Look at the league, the top three teams, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City. Going to be difficult to pry those managers away. But David Moyes at West Ham seems to have them playing well. Maybe he could come to United. <laughs> That's so good. So good. Uh, so David Moy is doing something at uh, West Ham. 17 points, so a little gap, but fourth place uh, and two points ahead of Brighton, who's in fifth place. So um, 
Shout out West Ham. Can't say I've been watching them, but uh, I mean, George, I hope live. I hope you're loving it. Yeah, I mean, but you get this every year. I mean, not maybe. Actually, West Ham has done it like now. I feel like every other year for the past they five go on years runs. or something, right? Yeah. Like that they've started the year hot and then you know they end up in seventh or eighth or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's going to be the same thing for both them and Brighton this year. But you know that still means that they're going to have a good year by their standards, right? They're they're going to end up in fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth, not in 14th or 16th. And so, right. yeah, they're having a great year. More power to them. Not going to have to worry about relegation at any point this nope. year. No, they're going to be like, That's what, a good what year. level of Europe are we going to end up at? You know, Conference, Europe, whatever the thing that uh, Spurs are in, or maybe something right. better. So that's, that's a great situation, yeah. So uh, my favorite tweet of the week, though, uh, if we're going to talk about teams who end up in 5th or 6th or 7th or 8th, yeah. Yeah. is about the Everton game, which... Uh, obviously, we lost to Watford two to five, and just we look like shit and we're shit and we're just our record. Although you were winning, you were up two one in like the sixty fifth or something, and, and then just capitulated, just fell apart. Absolutely. Right? I mean, our talent level is, is very poor. We without Dominic Calvert Lewin still, that's not any excuse. Like we're just not that good. Um, or we're like the opposite. Of, what was I saying? Who was I saying about this MLS? Like. That their spot on the table is is doesn't reflect who they can play today, like how good they are right now. Yeah. Like Everton, yeah. we are way too high on the table. We are not that good. Like we are not worth that many. You're not points. eighth place. You're not above Leicester. No, we are no we are not better than <laughs> Leicester. Well, no. Like I think we're not better than Southampton. But uh anyway, my point is Watford beat us away, which doesn't happen for Watford away very often because Watford are shit. And uh, but Watford also famously changed their manager every fucking, you know, six months. Yeah. So yeah. the last five Watford away wins now have been with different managers. <laughs> that is a stat. That is a great stat. They've only gotten one away win out of the last five managers each. So uh, Ranieri, uh, we'll see if he can get a second away win before he gets gets fired. Gets the can. Get a little socks bet on that or not, but. That's all he's got to do is get another away win, and he's just like one more absolute Watford legend. I bet he gets one. I bet he gets one. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, Arsenal in tenth. That's just it. I feel like we really like grew up in the game in a time, and historically, I suppose Arsenal is like huge. So maybe it's not about like when you know the mid two thousands or whenever we really became super fans, but like. That feels like it's worth talking about, but now that I'm actually saying it out loud, I don't know that there's much to talk about. Like, yeah, why wouldn't they? Ar- <laughs> Arsenal in tenth, yeah, that's okay. Like, yep, still Arteta. Yep, okay, like fine. Uh, we're nine games in. Uh, you know, that's a quarter of the season. What are the big? Uh, what are the things that you're looking at? What if? What's you've been surprised by? What's the narrative uh, for the rest of the year that's interesting to you? I mean, I think those big three that you mentioned, City, Chelsea, and Liverpool, I think this is one of the first years in a while where, like, it's not, A, it's not two of them. It's three. But yeah, also there's not a clear three horse hierarchy. Race. It's not like these are the champions and these are the chasers. Can the, the these chasers catch the champions? And, like, yeah. you know, maybe we have different opinions on that. Uh, but it's like, I mean, I think they all three play different styles, can play really well. Uh, you know, it, uh, 
City has been historically great and set, set these records a few years ago now, but both Liverpool and Chelsea, both those two managers have a lot of success against City. Mm-hmm. So, like, you certainly can't say... And those I, head-to-head six-pointers. Yeah, head, those head-to-head six-pointers. City is the underdog in both of them. I think City, when they play their best, are, like, kind of the best team, the best product in some weird way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Liverpool also can be great in that way, and Chelsea probably, like, third place of that. But Chelsea get the fucking results, and they have been for now, like, a while, right? Like, under Tuchel, like, it's, I don't know, six or eight months where they seem like they just win everything. So without totally, like, having that, that whatever I'm rubbing my fingers together thinking about City, like, that, that like, oh, man, just whatever these it is. passes are just fucking, how do you stop this? Or, or like, Mo Salah, whatever, that, that front three for Liverpool, how do you stop this? Like, the Chelsea has never looked like that, but they just get these results. So, it, to me, impossible to predict, and that's, that's great, and we haven't had that in a while in Premier League. So, I, I think it's, it's everything you could have hoped in a way, you know, whatever this is, a quarter of the way into the season. I would love if one of these other teams, so it's West Ham and Brighton right now. Um, I guess Everton probably qualifies also, but if one of these teams could fight for fourth place, if it doesn't just shake out and it's Tottenham United and Arsenal fighting for fourth, if there was just something a little bit different, I would really love that. Um, I don't have a lot of faith that that's going to happen. I think, you know, things tend to revert to the... uh, it's not even the mean, it's the <laughs> tend to revert to the investment level. So it'll come around. Um, but it would be a lot of fun, I think, if you got somebody new up in that Champions League spot specifically. So that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, the other thing, Newcastle on four points through nine games, managers out, new owners in. What are they going to do with the second half of the year? I think is that's a brilliant story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see. It's tough because, like, in January, you can only do so much. But you got to I mean, stay maybe up. Maybe not hype. But you got to stay up. Uh, and, but you could, like, if you've got the money, I suppose you can do whatever you want in January. I don't know if there are actual rules about, like, how many players you're allowed to transfer, bring in, you know, whatever. So, like, it's just hard to do it in January. So that'll be really interesting to see uh, what they're able to do and where they end up and how they look. For the rest what of their the year. ambition is, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so from the bottom half of the table, I think that is Newcastle. Sure, like, sure. like what's going to go on? That's going to be very interesting. Uh, anything else? Pulisic still out? I don't know. I mean, he's he's he he is a soft muscle uh, injury. That's just yeah. It's in his bio. It's just a the comparison that I'll now be making for every time after this is going to be John O'Brien, uh, who. You know, was probably the most talented. I'm not saying he's as talented as Christian Pulisic, but was the most talented U.S. Men's National Team player of his generation and mm-hmm. had kind of like a limited in, impact on the national team because he was basically always injured. When he was in, he was great, but I don't know how many caps he has. I don't have in front of me, but, you know, we don't talk about him like we talk about Landon Donovan. He's probably a more talented player than Landon Donovan. So yep. availability is the most important ability. Staying healthy is a talent. There you go. Uh, Pulisic, hopefully you come back. It's really much more fun when you're playing. That's what I got. Two-man pod, we managed a few minutes. We did all right. Yeah. My, my La Liga, uh, quick La Liga update. One, so do we, I don't know. It wasn't on the run order. I don't know why I want to talk about it. 
Sergio Dest playing on the wing. Uh, that's interesting for the U.S. men's national team. We'll follow yeah. up on that. Hasn't been like great at at that, but it's an interesting development. Uh, and nothing mm-hmm. else that a American is playing on the wing, for, playing as a forward in you know El Clasico. Uh, and then the second one is I was just like clicking through scores today, and I noticed that Sevilla beat Levante five to three. And so I was just like, who plays for those teams right now? So I click on yeah. the game, like the lineups, and. Uh, you wouldn't you believe it that one of the center backs for the team that gave up five is former Arsenal standout uh, Mustafi. So I was just like, oh, that's just beautiful. Like wherever he goes, you know, he's disappointing people. Getting he, you know, they also subbed him off at some point. So I just <laughs> fucking love that that he's like, how subbing is, off center backs never yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. It's like how. Uh, you're going to tell, and then you, I, I have that in my head, and you're going to tell me, like, oh, Josh Sargent, like, if he fails at Norwich, like, oh, where's he going to go or whatever, like, his cr- yeah. No, dude, Mustafi's still getting jobs. Like, it's <laughs> He'll fine. He'll get paid somewhere. He's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. There you go. Um, I don't have anything else. That's great. We it, should leave it there. It was just a joy to podcast tonight. Absolute, absolute joy. All right. Catch you later. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Main level, main level, main level, main level, main level, main level, main level. Old main, old main, old main, old main. McAllister is wonderful.